Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Loose Head Sports Show, the number one sports show on planet Earth. Proudly brought to you each and every week by Jed Gillespie THC Vapes, um, obviously made in the great city town of Cowra. Um, great town, Cowra. I can't believe they fucking lost as well. Mate. And uh, obviously, Caffeine Gum Australia. Please continue to buy Caffeine Gum if you want to feel good all the fucking time. Mate, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Bloody tough weekend, I'll tell you that much. Cowra going down, uh, and then the boys in a very, very fucking heartbreaking game on Sunday. So, um, what what did you what did you make of it? Um, obviously, like it's hard to not be emotional straight after the fact, but now you've had a day or two to reflect. What well, what did you make of the game? What did you make of the year? Oh, mate, it was a it was a it was a very trying year, um, and it didn't flow as smoothly as I think as people would have liked, um, and I think that led to probably better individual growth at the end for everyone i really think it did um and the reality is that you know we we really figured out how to play football the way this comp likes it we sort of six seven you know games ago um and it had been quite successful since then so you know making a major semis not a bad year by any standards um you know, I think we could very easily be in the grand final, but that's just a, that's all way rugby works. So, um, you know, it's yeah. Look, mate, it, it was tough, but it's just fucking sport, bro. Like I've been on the other side of that of of that game, and I've been on this side of that game. So, emotionally afterwards, like I, you know, it was tough to believe that it actually happened. Um, but at the end of the day, the sun rises and. You got to get on with. You got to fucking move on, man. I've got a number of questions to ask you. I watched both games on the weekend. I obviously paid more attention to your game than the North's game. Um, the shoot shields have become a box kick mall, basically competition. And whoever makes the least mistakes and gives the least amount of penalties away seems to be winning games. What are you? What are you making of it? Obviously, as as coaches, they're the rules that we're given. We're going to try and exploit the game to our own benefit. And to me, watching games, that seems to be what's working. Um, I think Uni uni missed a couple of shots of goal. You guys missed a couple of shots of goal. And, and I guess at the end of the day, the mall try is probably the difference, if, if I'm being honest. And I, I thought your mall strategy all day was really good. Well, let, let's talk about that as well. Um, let, me, what, let, me, let me hit the first thing. Let me hit the yeah. first thing. So... About two months ago, we've always been traditionally an attacking team. A lot of firepower, a um, lot of good ball runners, and we've, we like we like playing footy. Um, it wasn't paying dividends. So it, it wasn't paying dividends. We had a solid set piece. We had a good set piece to the effect that we didn't have to – we could play this negative brand if we, if we wanted to, and we started to. And we were very successful at it. I mean, we that's all the game was on the weekend. Um, and, it, you know, it came down to, you know, pretty much a hair. So that's how you win games, really. Um, well, that's a, it's certainly one way to win games. And it appears that it's a successful way of doing it. One thing I will say about the footy in the last couple of weeks, and this is a slightly sidetracked, is 
it's being officiated completely different to how the rest of the season was officiated. Yes. And I'm not, this is, this hit uni as much as it hit us. It hit Manly as much as it hit us. The whole, the last two weeks particularly have been a nightmare. And I spoke to someone from the other team, not just, not Eastwood. I'm not saying Eastwood were wronged, but there were, there were like 40 penalties on the weekend, man. They're like double the count probably of any game during the season. And for things that for rightly or wrongly have not been picked up during the regular season. So you get 22 games in and you get into a game, let's say the Manly game, there were like 15 fucking, oh, that's exaggerating. There were probably eight penalties for like obscure offsides that just haven't been officiated during the year. doesn't mean that they're wrong, but it, not at all. So like, you, you go into games, there was some ruck infringement stuff on the weekend. I have no idea what they were for. Like, to, if we were in the GF this week, we'd be going through a review just going, what the fuck was that? So, you know, the penalty count was like six after four minutes. Um, and it really set the tone for the day. I mean, I don't think anyone went over two phases. Or if they did, they probably did it less than five times in the whole game. And for me, that's very indicative of, of how it's being officiated in this final series. I, I'm open to comments, questions on that. No, look, I tend to agree with you. I kind of want to go back to the first part of that question where we're talking about the kicking game and the set-piece game. Yo. Obviously, we're both forwards coaches. We have an appreciation for that area of the game and the tactics and the, the chess match involved in you know, moving the ball downfield, gaining advantage, you know, high percentage plays, all that kind of shit. I grew to get very I grew to get very tired of the caterpillar setup box kick chase. I, I just it's like it's effective, yes, but I don't know if it's good for the game. No, it's awful. It's fucking awful. I mean, uh, almost every week. It's a spring box. Spring box do it. But all, like you can have a crack off first phase, but you know, and I know I, you want me to stick on this, but like. How many times have the attacking team been penalised for going off their own feet with the ball in hand? The reality is having the ball is now fucking dangerous. You're decentivised from having the ball. There is no incentive of you holding the ball in your own half because you're likely to get pilfered or fucking some really, like they've really clamped down on it, some very harsh interpretation of coming from the side. Or ceiling. Going off your feet. I mean, fuck yeah. me. Every ruck in the game, someone's off their feet. But you pick 10 throughout the game and they'll be the penalty. So holding the ball in your own half, there's no incentive for it. It's more dangerous. You having the ball is more dangerous than not having the ball. That's the so, new game. So as someone that watches a lot of footy and, and watches the game closely, the rules are the rules. We're going to do what we can to exploit the rules. I don't have a better choice of words than exploit. As... As a rugby coach, what can we do better to make the game more appealing to people? Like, is it is it a case of in attack, just being obviously you've got to find ways to be better, or do we have to change the rules and go fuck box kicking out of the game? Once you're outside your twenty two, you can't kick. I don't know. I'm just throwing things at you because I, I think that if it continues the way it's going, it's just going to be a box kickathon, which is basically what the shoot shields have been for a period of time now. And I think you're going to lose more and more people. It's a, it's not an attractive style of game. Having said that, the win 
when you win, you still win. Now, what does that do for the audience? Probably not much because, I mean, all my friends watch the games, ex-players, whatever, and they're like, geez, these are fucking dreary games. And they are dreary games because you combine 30 fucking penalties with basically like we play a tiny bit more football than Sydney Uni. Sydney Uni, you kick off, they box kick, try and regain it, box kick again. They'll almost box kick right down to your 30. Um, And it's because it's percentage rugby. They know that holding the ball is riskier than kicking the ball. Like they're they're better off practicing defense and transition and being in a good D line. Holding the ball is is just a nightmare. So when we played teams this year, particularly in the latter half or, you know, leading up to the semifinals and they were happy to hold the ball, like, you know, Parra are a very good team, but they did chance their arm. Which all that meant for us was right. Attack that, attack that second breakdown. We'll try and get a pilfer, and then you're in the new game, one more the way from a try. So basically, you give a penalty away in your own half. They'll kick it to within ten, and then you're in more zone. And Malls have proven this year to be incredibly hard to shut down and an incredibly efficient way to score tries. So yeah. being in your own half at all is just not. It's just not good for you. So we'll talk about what you're doing next year shortly. But looking at the game, if you were a shoot shield head coach, how would you build how would you build a game plan that's gonna win games? You need a good set piece. You need a very good line out. Yeah. You need a very good scrum. You need an effective maul. And you need a nine with a good box kick. I would argue that the the need for explosive, you know, power athletes is has dwindled to a point it hasn't been in a decade. You know, or probably ever. It's just like besides maybe a first phase hit up, when are we really using our powerful 12, powerful 13 anymore? We're not. Because we're playing down their half. We need to defend efficiently, make sure they'll have a crack off first phase. We shut that down. They box kick back. So basically a decent kicking back three as well. And like, you know, the, and a ten, I think you got to have a 10. You got to have a good game controlling 10. That's it. That's the thing I would add to what you said. Yep. I, I, look, I would argue that, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree in a perfect world, you would. I would argue you can get away with having an amazing nine. I mean, yep. Henry Robertson's a very, very good nine and he's a very good box kicker with the ball. And the uni 10 did fuck all kicking in comparison to him. Um, and you know they've they've had a good season, so that's that's how you build a team. Like if you're looking for success, if I'm West Harbour or South or, or you're one of the bottom four teams, I'm just going right out. I need a good set piece. I need a good lineout, very good lineout, in fact. So I need to win my own ball. Um, we're going to have to steal some ball. It'd be nice to have one pilferer um, to get some on ball penalties, and then I need two really good kickers, maybe three. And that's Do you it. think yeah, your comments about the power forwards going out of the games quite interesting? Do you think that it's going to become more like in your forward pack anyway, having taller, more athletic and faster forwards rather than having like Toto Kefu springs to mind as a power forward? Do you think it's going to trend more in that direction and that the big ball carrying guys are just going to slowly go over to jail rugby and? Pretty much. I, I like. I, I think the there's still a place for them, but I mean, with every 
you can't have everything, right? No one has everything. So with every big ball carrier, you you get probably a defensive liability or transitions. Um, and that's what teams attack. Same with like, I suppose, if you have a big tight end, you know, teams will attack it on transition. So you've got to weigh the pros and the cons. But, you know, if you play that game plan and it's not, a, I'm not knocking it as a game plan. It's, it's obviously not attractive. It's very fucking efficient though. Yeah. Um, I, I have I, an appreciation for it because we coach that area of the game. Yeah, I, I'm more than happy to do it. It doesn't impact me at the end of the day. It meant you had to rely a lot more, train a lot more in transition defense, yeah. um, stuff like that. But I I truly believe, and I've said this from the outset, and I, like internally at Eastwood, but I think it, it's a sawn off. It's a game for sawn off second rowers as well. Like Max Douglas did very well at Manly. Very, very well. Great player. Very great player. Um, he's not a ginormous second rower, right? He's a, he's a big dude, but he's not a ginormous second rower. I think you can get away with, and a lot of teams do, having sixes in the second row, and you're, you'll be fine because you get a better worker. Um, I'd say line-out defense is not amazing across the, across the board. If you run an efficient line-out, you don't need those skyscrapers. So... <laughs> I think like it's it's almost turning into jail rugby in the way that you could have five guys in the pack who are all the same shape or six guys as long as they're working hard um, and can literally fulfil their roles, which is which is mostly like you know uni you've got some great fucking players, but they dropped their big number out on the weekend. They went for a lot of pack, and you know it works. I heard Eddie Jones say something. Um maybe a year ago, that he thought rugby was going to become more of like a hybrid game. So excluding the front row and maybe the second row, he thought that a winger and a flanker would end up becoming interchangeable. So there'd be similar athletes, similar roles outside of the set piece requirements. What do you think of that? I can kind of see his argument starting to take shape a little bit. He's always on, he's always trying to fucking come up with some crazy shit though. I look, I don't, I remember he's like talking about Jack Noel being a back rower and yeah, maybe if, if they're a bit like you, as long as you're running an efficient set piece. So if you throw a winger at seven and he's a non-jumping option, then, you know, you're already starting to limit, you know, the impact of your mall and things like that. So maybe to a degree. I, yeah, I he said his, his argument was excluding set piece. So yeah, okay. general, well, then, general play. Mate, a lot of the guys in the back through, I mean, in the, you know, outside backs, like, you know, are really fucking good on ballers. Like, I didn't know Wilson was great on baller. Like, obviously, Lockie Anderson's great on ball. Like, so I think the, the, the skills are more transitional amongst the positions now. Yes, I, I'd agree with that. What, uh, who, okay, let's, let's go through this. Who's going to win next week, in your opinion? This is, I mean, this in not a bad way, but same as every year. I don't care now. I don't care. And that's like, because I'm not, I don't have a invested interest now. It's yep. what's done is done. Um, and I, cl- I clock off mentally. I think a good friend of mine plays for Gordon, Godsey. I, you know, I'd love to see success for him. Um, but it'll really come down to whether Gordon can go toe to toe with the pack and deal with, the pressure of the high balls and this, that, and the other, and not get caught out playing too much rugby because Gordon do like to play rugby. Um, so 
I don't know. I can see it going either way, to be honest. I, I think I think if uni get in their groove and get in their game plan and execute well and like they've got Sam Talakai back who's very helpful, then I think that I think they could probably do it. But you know, it, it'll it's it's like anything, it'll take a special game from Gordon to win. Um, but it's something they have in them. Definitely they have in them. I agree. I, I think uni should win. I think Gordon could win. I think that's a fairly yeah. nice way of saying that. Yeah. As you reflect back on the year, what uh, like, what do you make of it? Like what, like your own, your own sort of journey through the. I think journey is a fucking shit word to use, but like, what, as you look back over the year, what do you make of it? Anything that stands out, um, things that you've learned, just reflections. Um, I think. From a coaching perspective, if I if I went back, I'd spend a lot more time on Moors from the outset. Um, not historically, but like you know, we went through twenty twenty without fucking packing a mall. I don't think, like, uh, because we had a lot of firepower and we just we just played footy. Um, that's sort of gone out as we've been talking about. Sort of gone out of the game bit. So from coaching angle, I'd, I'd start that far earlier with a far greater emphasis on it. Um, I mean, it's just it's been it's been it's been very re- rewarding. I mean, the players are ter- just tremendous people, um, and you know, a, a lot of them are just fantastic guys. A lot of them have got become far better footballers um, and probably better people. They're just the, the it's 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 for it's for the players. It's for the players. I mean, you have your own outcomes in that. You'd obviously like to be a good coach and coach somewhere one day, but the, at the end of the day is like if you know, well for me, if I've got eight guys and those eight guys are happy and they're getting better, and then you can't ask for much more. So I don't think that changed because that's always sort of how I felt coming into it. But I suppose the 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 challenges are difficult. The challenges are difficult and I can't, they're not, I wouldn't say some of them are challenges for every coach is balancing like how the fuck am I going to pay rent um, with like. We're going to talk about that. Keep going. How the fuck am I going to pay rent? But, you know, I need, I need to do X and Y on how to, I've got to have this ready. You know, I've got to balance these things um, with some challenges that I would say are unique for the position I was in at my club. I, I have all people can empathize with your position. <laughs> yeah. So I think without, I'm not going to go into great detail, but it, it, some aspects are incredibly disappointing, particularly when you're fucking absolutely grinding your ass off. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know whether that's universal because I've only been at one, I've only been at one place for my whole life. So oh, I don't know. Look, I, Look, doing this podcast every week and then talking shit pretty much every day has been very good for me this year because I think unless you've been in the position that we're in, it'd be very hard to understand. You know, we both played over 100 first grade games for our club, similar positions probably in the communities. And and I think we've both had similar, slightly different issues, but similar, similar mm. issues, I'd say. Um, so having someone to reflect on that and to bounce ideas and someone who actually has 
in is who is in that position who fucking knows what you're going through has been very helpful for me this year. Oh, I agree. I echo that. I, I just wanted to ask about so I was having uh, one of the great things about doing a couple of podcasts. I'm going to start the other one up again soon. Now I've got more time is actually getting to meet a lot of the coaches in the shoot shield and a lot of the assistant coaches and people who are bouncing around the traps. Mm. Um, there's a lot of passionate people, a lot of people who um, want to do well for the game themselves, the club, and who put a lot into it. And I was having this chat with someone the other day and he's, he's like, and I won't name him, um, but he's like, I don't know how sustainable being an assistant coach in the shoot shield is. It limits the work I can do. Obviously, the financial rewards are little to none. Um, you know, probably spend more money than than what most people get. Let's just give people a bit of an insight into what you actually go through in a week, just to, mm. just as a time commitment. Um, I guess just to let's just talk about that a little bit because I, I feel like the commitment level, if you're doing it properly, has gone through the roof. Mm. Without question, um, and that's as it should be. It's become more and more professional, as we've discussed many times. There's far more detail in the game now than there was six years ago. But the financial rewards may have not um, matched up to that for a lot of clubs. What was your week? What was your average week like in terms of what you would do? Yeah, so I think I think it would vary. I think it would vary depending, and this is. I suppose what I didn't want to, was to be a half-hearted dude, right? But being well, half-hearted... If, if you're half-hearted, you get half-hearted results. I know, but it, you're almost forced to be half-hearted because you. I don't know how people do it unless they're, I don't know, into Bitcoin because I don't know where their fucking time comes from, right? Or you have like a weird job like I have. Yeah, so I suppose going into the season, I was... I was very much like I need a effective, different plan for line-out time, right? I need it, and I need it now. So that took some developing. But in terms of the season, week in, week out, games played, go home, do the review, do the defense review, do the set-piece review. So that, I don't know, usually goes to 11. Next day, you go and you do the hold on. Let's just let's actually be a little bit more detailed so people can understand. Mm. What time do you get to the ground? What time do you leave the ground? You know, oh, yeah. obviously on game day, you're only doing like warm up and pre-game chat and half time. So you, you're there and you are working, but your job's done really. Yeah, but it's still it's still a time commitment that you can't go and earn an income doing. No, I mean I, I suppose I'm lucky in that I, I don't I, I wouldn't have had to work Saturdays anyway, but I'm sure some guys probably may have to in their jobs but yeah you know you get to the game for the end of threes sometimes you know for the start of threes it, it varies but you know after the game's done and the chats are done and this and that or you know I just I go home get on the computer go through all the clips so the clips come up on this app um, and before sort of Tuesday Wednesday on Tuesday Wednesday you can sort of just type in line out and hit enter and it clips them all for you but up to that point, you've got to clip them yourself. So to have it out in due time, you get home, you go through the game, you clip it for set piece, you go through it again, you clip it for defense, which was my two areas. Um, you know, have the comments ready, have the, I suppose, bum taps, which was great, um, and issues. Um, 
you know, which need to be resolved, ask the questions, put publish that stuff. Um, it would vary Saturday night sometimes, sometimes Sunday, depending on how the load had been, how the guys had been in their wellness, things like that. Sunday, um, you need to start prepping for the next week because Monday training will be based around who you're playing, things that need to be installed, things like that. So you you preview the next week's team. Um, but in addition, you might have individual meetings that need to happen. The guys maybe played, didn't play well. Maybe guys playing out of position, they're not happy. Maybe someone's injured. So, you know, that sort of shuffling and whatnot. Now, Ben did a lot of those. Ben, as a head coach, he did, you know, most of the stuff relating to that. But, you know, if there was a Ford-specific issue, then, you know, then I would do that. Um, and then I suppose for us, we had a, a set piece to change week to week. So it was, you know, Monday, what's it going to be on Monday? So you sort of get that sorted, talk to senior guys, have that ready for Monday. Monday, you get to training at, you know, five o'clock. There'll be meetings on Monday, like individual guys coming in, ask for feedback, this, that, and the other, six. Monday for us was an install day. So like go through your set piece for this week, go through any set moves, go through maybe something we're going to touch up defensively. Um now, videos for the team for the next week should be up by Monday. Sometimes I was slack and had them up by Tuesday, um, maybe Wednesday at worst. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday training. So there's there's a bit of video in that. Like, you know, there's probably five or six hours of video in that somewhere. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday training, you know, same sort of thing. Get there for 5, 5.30, leave at 8.30. Um, I've been going to Colts on Wednesday, but that's only because I wanted to do help their scrum and then thursday same thing so you get there five five thirty um extra individual skills and whatnot and then training starts leave at eight o'clock eight fifteen so that's the week really um, and that, and that doesn't include the incidental texts phone calls conversations yeah see you know. i suppose from my perspective strangely i'm very empathetic for those individual calls, texts, things like that. So I don't mind, I don't mind them. Yes, they exist, but I, I have no issues, particularly if someone's having difficulties or they want to seek something or they're, they're looking for an answer of some sort. Well, no, no I'm, I'm not saying it, any of the, none of this is difficult. It's all a pleasure to do and it's great fun. But what I'm trying to give people an insight into is the time commitment involved to be an assistant coach in the shoot shield. And like, that's not with without even going into what the head coaches do, which is it's like working two full-time jobs for some of them, which I don't think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people already prepping for next year and they were out like a week ago. So it's a never-ending fucking thing. And I, yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to give people an insight into what what's required. So you, for, for people that don't know, Jed's a qualified lawyer. Would you be able to do a law job and be an assistant coach in the shoot shield? I I, try, I I tried I tried I tried it right oh I tried it, I tried it last year. Now I was at a terrible firm, awful awful firm. It was just it wasn't is exactly opposite of what they promised. Um, and I was doing second grade right, so slightly different, slightly less commitment. Having said that, I pumped a lot of hours into twos because I wanted twos to feel like someone gave a shit, um, which I did. Um, now, I was working in Macquarie Park, which was five minutes from fucking TJ. 
So it makes a difference. I, yeah, I could drive from Macquarie Park at quarter to six and be there at 10 to six. Yeah. So if I was working at that firm, maybe, 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 but not normally, no. And I try, I looked at some part-time roles this year, part-time jobs, probably fucking casual, this, that, and the other. Mate, no one, like realistically, I'm not fucking crying about it, but no one fucking leaves work at five o'clock in the city. Like you, you'd be fucking laughed out at, out of the building, particularly if you're a second year lawyer or third year lawyer, whatever the fuck I am, you laugh out of the building. Like if you rock up for your interview and yeah, man, I'm sweet to do all hours except Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, I've got to leave at five o'clock. And, and I have to answer the phone at all hours during the day to do rugby stuff. I would leave, mate, five o'clock would be later. So, you know, that, that comes back down to the guys who do white collar stuff. I mean, blue collar's got its own challenges body wise, but like it's not sustainable. So, like, you really got to have a boss who fucking gets it or a boss who likes footy or you got to sacrifice money, those guys. So, I made the decision that it just wasn't going to work um, and that I was just going to fucking pile it into Eastwood and see and see how it go. And I got very lucky in that I actually quite enjoy what I do at the moment, which is nothing to do with what I studied, but – and I'm working with my uncle. So, I, I actually very much enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, it's just not – I don't know how people – I don't know how people do it. So, you I, know, I just I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about because I feel like a lot of really promising assistant coaches who could potentially be good head coaches one day might be lost to the game because of the lack of financial incentive or they go to the school game because um, school coaches get paid ridiculous money to go and coach kids yeah it's, so it's, I, it's, I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about well look I know I know I know what I know I suppose so I know like Ben Ben owns a gym right? And he's still fucking absolutely flat chat. But he owns a gym, so he has to go in and deal with the, the crap that goes on with the gym. You know, if a manager quits and he's working the hours, things like that. So that's how he manages to do it. Like, I know Billy was, you know, years and years ago, he was he was a, he was was building years ago. Like, he's not anymore, but, you know, so I know some people and I know roughly what they do, but I, on the, on the whole, I don't know how people do it. And I don't, and that's my theory on why I think a lot of clubs produce pretty average outcomes around their forward set piece assistant, whatever the fuck it is, because people can only do what they can do, man. They can only commit so many hours, particularly like I don't have a fucking girlfriend, family, wife, like I got none of that. So, like, add that into someone else's schedule. And then you got, like, I suppose you've got, you're working on Dwayne Johnson hours, you're working nighttime if you really want it to be successful yeah look it's it's an interesting one i i think i think assistant coaches are underestimated in terms of their importance of actual actual rugby coaching and i think sometimes this is going to sound wrong but it's not intended to come across negatively uh head coaches are maybe maybe overrated sometimes whereas assistant coaches like if you look at the all blacks through their great run wayne smith was an assistant coach, but was widely credited as being one of the main instigators of how they played and a lot of the stuff behind the scenes. So, yeah, I just wanted to give people a bit of an insight. I think it de- yeah, I think it depends from club to club. I was fully willing to sacrifice, uh, to do those things this year for, for no return um, because I was confident in the outcomes. Um, well, you're also, you're also investing in yourself and backing yourself. Correct. And I'm so I'm happy to do it. So, the, you know, and I stand by it. And I think the outcomes, 
if anyone actually fucking looked at them, would speak for themselves. Now, whether people, whether you actually are sort of addicted enough to go into how the set piece performed at the scrum time, line out time, what the you know what the pet, where you're stacked up against other teams, you know, there's probably fucking ten people in, who will actually do that. But I'm happy with the outcomes, and I think the, uh, as long as the players were happy that they and you know, are they seemed happy that they were, you know, some of the some of them were. <laughs> uh, like at least that you know there was work being done then that's fine by me i don't that was fine for this for this season um, what's in um what's in your semi-finals something i've sort of been looking at for a little while is how important little moments are in games and it's it's over the course of a season it might be a missed kick a goal might be a shitty pass it might be you know not sacking a line out where you've sacked every other one that is the difference between making a final and potentially winning a final or losing a final. And it's never, from what I can see, if you're there or thereabouts, it's usually the little things that are the things that make you miss out rather than big things. Yeah. And I think those things, I think it, the the less professional clubs, and I would include us in that in terms of, finances and time commitment and coaching staff like you know well, I looked at uni's coaching staff on the weekend some incredible fucking people in there Fuck like enough. really good coach Eat, any of them Laurie, could coach. Laurie Weeks oh Weeksy but uh, Damien Hill Damien Hill fucking like there's a, yeah the, like there's guys who could you know that could be head coaches of their own team pretty much whenever they want Um, so like those minor things I think get passed up a lot because you got to look more at a macro perspective and outcome on the game. Um, and, you know, when you don't have, you can't do four sessions a week or you got, you can only do three and sometimes you can do two. I think that's where the good teams uh, pull away from the rest of the pack. I'd agree. I'd agree totally. Like there's very small moments in that game and you guys are in the final. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, Straight after the game, Tane took a lot of heat on himself, man. And it's something that you actually won't see a lot from guys who drop back down because we've all played with guys who drop back down who fucking lose games like that and get in the car and go, yeah, well, I've got training next week. I don't give a fuck. And they maybe they don't purposely not give a fuck, but they don't really give a fuck. Tane gives a fuck, man. He genuinely, and you're not going to make, there's not many, but that's why I fucking stand by him to the nth degree because you don't meet many guys who will go on to bigger and better things, great things in their career and are fucking absolutely heartbroken that they didn't get the outcome that they wanted. I, I would argue that the ones that go on to really good and great things are the ones who actually give a fuck. And it, yeah, yeah, no, no, I think that's probably fair. And I mean, you get those guys and you always have pro guys coming in and out of your teams if you're a good team. And we've, we're lucky, I think we're very lucky in that the vast majority of pro guys we've got over the my last 13 years there have been very, very good people. But you always get someone who isn't necessarily overly invested and it hurts the fucking team at the end of the day because they're not willing to shed the, the blood, sweat and tears as, as those other guys. And they're very, I think they're unique characters, man. Like I think, you know, for someone like Tane, like 
mean, he got us to the 2020 grand final. He got us to this major semifinal. He's captain of the team as a 21-year-old. And he was fucking heartbroken. When well, he like, shouldn't feel bad about No, and I, you know. straight away, like, there wasn't anyone in that room who was like, come on, Tane. Like, we're disappointed. Mate, no one, not, not for a single fucking second. I mean, the reality is he's won us so many fucking games before he's 21 years old. 100%. Oh, I mean, I just, I hey, just, Tane, I know you're listening. Tell the fucking forwards to sack that mall. They sack every other mall. You win the game. You know, sorry for bringing it up again. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, and, you know, he's had a great career already, right? It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of weird that he hasn't been caught into the Wallabies. To to I'm, be very I'm, honest with I'm you, I'm gonna talk about that in a sec, right? But he's had a wonderful career, and the thing that you don't know when you're 21 is that you you just will not be the hero every day. Even if you are one of the greatest heroes of all time, you're Dan Carter, you're Johnny Wilkinson, you're fucking Tom Brady. You you cannot be the hero every time, and that and it's gonna be a small percentage of times you're not the hero, and it's going to suck. And for the weekend, he wasn't the hero and it fucking sucked and it, he hurt a lot. But the beauty of sport is that you will be on the other side of that result. We have been on the other side of that result. Um, this is the bit that hurts, but the sun will rise and you you've got to kick on, bottle it and kick on. And he has, but not, I, I still stand by the fact that not all guys would be would feel the same about that outcome. It takes a bit of a different character to drop down levels, which is re- realistically what they're doing. I mean, fuck, we all know guys who finished tar seasons and just fucking pulled a fake hammy and not played true chill because they don't fucking have to. Um, it, it takes a special, a special character. Now, it, I thought as many people did by the way i had set, spoke with several very intelligent people who high in higher in the game and they were like donaldson went in because ran we got knocked out right that's not the case he found out on the friday so before the semi yeah so for me i just don't get it it doesn't and like of course i'm going to defend Tane. he's in my fucking team right but what do you what do you do with the Super Rugby season? Like, what does that mean? Is that nothing? Like, what we and that, like, I just I just don't I just worry about him. I worry about him. I don't like. I feel like he just doesn't have tenure at the Tars. I, I want him to have more tenure. You know, like you, you got to have the ability to play a bad game or a game that you're not that happy with and still be the fucking ten the next week. And I, I worry about that for him because I just there's there's forces in there that are highly connected to Donaldson. And he's a good player as well. But like what the, you know, all the fucking wins and stuff that happened during the season where Tane was the quarterback, like, are they worth fucking nothing? It's a good point. It's a good point. I, uh, yeah, it's a good point. I think we've got a problem with tens in this country. Uh, we've talked about it before, but we put a lot of pressure on these young guys coming through. Don't give them necessarily the time to, Become what who they're supposed to be, and um, you got to have. I know. I, I thought Lawlessia had a good game on the weekend. Yeah, he was good. He was really good. But you, like, I think anywhere universally, you got to have a little bit of tenure. Like, you got to, you got to have the ability to fucking have a Fuck five up. out of five out of ten game or a four out of ten game 100%. fuck up 
learn and play the next week. Now, what I don't like is when there's three tens and someone plays poorly for fucking 15 minutes and they get dragged. Yeah. Like, I, that I, I is not totally. beneficial for anyone. It, it, it's, if anything, it's worse because you're just fucking with someone's head. You know, it's, it's, it sucks, man. And, and the only way you will get better is having some bad games. I mean, fuck, we're all, no one's infallible. And then turning around, learning from it, going, fuck, this was bad. This was good. What do I do? How to prep different? And turning up the next week and delivering a, a product. So I, I always say to young props, I think it's incredibly difficult to become a good tight head prop because most people do not want to get their head shoved up their ass. But that's how you become good. Yeah. You, you go, what, what can I do better? What did I do wrong? You've got to go through that to become good. And a lot of people don't want to go through that. And it makes it even worse when coaches are going, oh, this guy's playing shit. Let's pull him off. Yeah. I just, I just, I think sometimes you've got to be thrown on the fire. Sometimes you've got to be just fucking. If, if the week before everything was sweet and this week, and it was an eight out of 10, and this week was a four out of 10, then fucking don't change the team. Just. Give give them a chance to develop and be good players. Like it, it takes a miracle for someone who's even a gun to go in and in the first game kill it, and then next game kill it, and the next game kill it, and the next and just just consistently through the whole season just have no fucking issues. I'd say it's getting harder to do that, harder and harder. Because if you're going in as a young kid, you're not going to be as physically developed as they are towards the back end, like even someone like Quaid, who was good at the start, then fell away. He had to go away and work on his game. And up until recently, he was going all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just, I don't know. That was a bit of a sidetrack, but. What else is bothering you? Um, I'll tell you one thing before I tell my main thing, but our second grade played at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Yeah, oh, let's talk about this. Why the fuck are all the semifinals on a Sunday at Rat Park when rats aren't even playing? So, why, is, why? So our second grade played at 10 a.m. I don't know if they were the first game or not. Now, the Southern District's fourth grade page, which I do follow, they'd be saying, well, who gives a fuck? We play at 10 a.m. every week. And that's the fucking point. It's routine. It, this team plays at 1.30 every week, right? On a Saturday. Now, we all know finals time, sometimes you play on a Sunday. That happens. That's okay. Played at the normal fucking time. Now, Saturday, the threes and fours season's wrapped up. It has to, it has to be the fact that the Wallabies were playing at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, right? But the fact that a team that plays at 1.30 every week play, had to be at the ground at 8.30 in the morning and then there was another second grade game in between. And then we played at the second grade time. And then the another first grade game played after us. And then first grade Colts played at 5.30, right, at Rat Park. So everyone who made the grand final is at a six-day turnaround. And no one played at their normal time. So if, except uh, Norths and Gordon. And I don't fucking, like, it's probably a coin toss on how that got figured out. So I don't have any disrespect disregard for them but like it's so stupid it is so fucking dumb that that happened and that was scheduled that way it, it's it, ridiculous it's ridiculous and mate there was like it was like obviously because it's not the same club it was like right you can go in the sheds now but you got to be out now post game you got a also, 20 minute you got a 20 the minute fuck 
are they putting the Wallabies at 3.30 on a Saturday? I don't know, but it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered for the last 10 years. They've always fucking played it at 3.30. I've had games that clash with the Wallabies before. I don't give a shit. I mean, I'm sure... What? How many fucking crossover viewers are they really going to lose? And with like, streaming now, you can go watch it later. You can watch two of them. Yeah. But like, it was just so unbelievably frustrating. Like after the game, obviously teams are down. But like, what if your team won? You got fu- the, someone came around. Oh, you got a twenty minute window to shout before the next fucking team's in. And then you know after the warm up, you take your bags out and you put them in another fucking room because you you're sharing the you know, five teams using that fucking dressing room. And that's not the rat's fault. That's like whoever books this shit, it is ridiculous. And did it change the outcome? Probably not. But like, I don't think anyone would have been happy with that. And I'm not going to speak on behalf of Sydney Uni, fucking Gordon, Norse, but I don't, I'm pretty sure our Colts weren't that ecstatic playing at 5.30 in a field that is somewhat lit, like can do night games, sort of. Like, you take a, like it's something that people do for fucking 22 rounds, similar to the referee, and you just throw it in the fucking bin at the most important time of the year. It is so stupid. It is so fucking stupid. I agree. I agree. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. It's like, I, I just couldn't understand it. I just could not understand it. Are you about to drop your main news? Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose. Can I can I teach you something that you'd probably need to learn? Yeah. Uh Joel San, Lei Ho Ma, uh, Chao Sil Fan, Um Goisai. What does that mean? It's good morning. How are you? Barbecue pork and rice, please. I do like barbecue pork. It's fucking good um, over there. Yeah, so that was the other reason I suppose the Saturday <laughs> Sunday was disappointing, is it? Oh, I was obviously disappointing for a number of reasons, but it'll be my last game at Eastwood. Um probably for a long time, I'd say. Um, and I've been there for 13 years after school. But, you know, it'll be the first time since 2000, back half of 2010, where I'm not I'm not going to be coming through the gates in October um, in any capacity. And I won't be back next year coaching. How fucking weird does it feel? I don't know. Probably kind of exciting, but kind of weird at the same. It probably time. hasn't registered yet, um, but I'm going to I'm going to Hong Kong. I'm going to Hong Kong Football Club. They're a very very good club, um, who have been unbelievable, and I am going to be doing coaching when I'm over there. Lots of it, and I'm going to be playing uh, this season. So I've been training pretty fucking hard for the last couple of weeks, um, and. Yeah, so basically, you know, it, it in itself is an amazing opportunity. They're just very, very well run over there. Like they're, they're a professional organisation um, with semi-professional rugby. So, but the, the reality was I didn't have a second choice. So I, I, haven't, I haven't spoken, I hadn't been spoken to. I mean... So you didn't know if you are I'm just going to ask, did you, had you been approached to coach at Eastwood next year? No. Has anyone given you any feedback on why that might be? I don't know if anyone has been approached to coach at Eastwood next year. Right. And for me, that is a, I was told long ago that that would not be the case. Like if, if things were in the right spot, 
every other fucking club, unless they're desperate for a coach and still haven't found the right one, they've signed their coaches up. Some haven't. Some haven't. But again, I think they fall into the category I was talking about. Yeah. Maybe bottom four looking for a head coach, can't find one, and are still taking applications or deep into the application process. I don't know. I don't know what where Eastwood are at with that, but the, I, I don't have a second choice. Um, so it didn't, we didn't have a choice to it. What was the choice? My choice was to sit around and wait to get or, a, or take charge of your own life clearly. to get a tap on the shoulder. I would absolutely in a dream world, someone at some point went, fuck, this is actually going not too bad. This is going pretty well. We've been watching X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, it'd be good if you came back next year. Because, mate, uh, you know as well as I do, you, the prep for next year started three months ago. You've got to start retaining players. You've got to start looking at where your people are going to be deficient. You've got to start looking after relationships. Like, even if they started tomorrow, it's too fucking late. It's too late. You've got to start. You've got to know what the fuck's happening. So, yeah, I agree. I, I agree totally. I, I, I know the clubs have started recruiting mid-season. Yeah. I've got to say it's unbelievably from that perspective and not the fact that, you know, maybe I suck. I have no fucking idea. But someone's got to be there to assess that. But the fact that it appears, I don't know what's happening. It appears that there's still, I haven't had a single conversation with anyone. From the, from the outset, that is disappointing. And it's only disappointing because of the fucking time and energy that go into trying to produce a decent outcome, which I think we was produced. I mean, we're fucking hair away from the grand final. which Beast, beast dick. Which fucking 13 other teams can't say, right? I don't know what they're going to do. And the reality is, if I had to guess... The irony is I think they'll end up paying someone like, okay, coin to do the Forge Frog, but it won't matter because I won't oh, be. Look, Hong Kong. Have you been to Hong Kong before? Yep. Fantastic place. Um, great opportunities, even in coaching as well. Um, obviously, you're a lawyer. I'm sure they'll be able to hook you up with some work if you want that. And it's just, mate, it's an exciting place to go to be. And, and like, let's be honest, how old are you now? 30. I just turned 30. Mate, there's a long, a long time to be a coach down the track. Uh, I think, considering the year that we've both had, if I had the opportunity to do what you do, I would jump at it in a heartbeat and um, go and live a little, mate. Yeah, I know. I, look, it's not. I've got to be honest. Like in a perfect world, like three months ago, there's a conversation. This isn't happening. But the in a different world, I'm fucking. I'm very flawed in many, many ways, but I'm loyal to a fucking team. So. Hong Kong Football Club have given me an opportunity and I will do absolutely everything I can to repay them for that. And whether that is on the field, biting people's fucking noses off or running junior clinics or doing anything, they will get 1,000% commitment from me. Well, so, I'll definitely be visiting. 7-Eleven pub crawls. I've heard a lot about them. So oh. my... It's, I've got to shout out Tom Hill, who's been over there. He's, a, he's an international new legend. <laughs> he's a big listener of the pod. Um, so like he, he, he's teed it all up. Um, he's been a driving force behind that. 
And I miss him because we used to hang out a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and I'm looking forward to playing with him again. Um, and another one of the boys from East we're heading over. So it's, look, it's going to be an exciting period. I've enjoyed going back to training after the initial part, um, which was quite hard, but I've enjoyed running and fucking getting strong and doing those things. So I'm excited for the next chapter, but I, I'm, you know, it's, it's impossible to say that I, it, you know, it's just it's it's disappoint it's disappointing, man. I've been I've fucking I've literally been driving into the same gates for thirteen years. Um, Unless you knew when your last game was going to be. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I was, and and that's another thing. I was very lucky to play my last game at Eastwood in twenty twenty in the circumstance I did with a young team, and I, man, I was playing reasonably well when I retired, but you know I stopped playing because there's guys coming up like. Willie Alou said, you know, I think he's a phenomenal player. Such a tough guy. Such a good guy. Such good it was more a boredom thing for you, though, wasn't it? No, I, I, they just didn't need me in that capacity anymore. They had they had these guys coming through. I mean, they've got two loose heads who are both phenomenal players. Like Lewis and, and him are both phenomenal fucking players. They don't need – and for, for many years, it's hard to find props. It's hard mm. to find old guys. They probably needed me, six, you know, 17 to 20. But after that, they don't need me anymore in that capacity. So that's uh, the next the next challenge excited me, and that challenge was off the field, and it still excites me. But you know, it's for for one reason or another, I couldn't tell you. You know, if they're, I don't know where they're heading direction wise, but you know, if I'm I'm just not I'm not a part of that. So I'm gonna head somewhere else and throw fucking absolutely everything at um fucking as I said, biting some people's faces off on some AstroTurf in Hong Kong. Well, the, look, the interesting thing about Hong Kong, uh, obviously I was born there and spent a lot of time there. That's not the interesting thing about Hong Kong, even though I was the biggest baby ever born there up until the year we left, is that like you could literally do anything and be anything in Hong Kong. So if you wanted to continue to pursue coaching along with playing, you'd be able to do that. There are guys that have gone there. Like I, I think uh, Blakey, Phil Blake coached Hong Kong Football Club you know, man, the manly head coach. And there's guys who have gone on to professional careers in Europe, the States, England. Um, so I, I'd be putting my hand up to coach anything. that They usually have a mini rugby on Sunday that they get the players to coach at. Juniors, you know, even doing the club scrum. I'm sure they don't have a scrum coach. Well, so, yeah, man, you, you, I, I, said to, I said to him, it's kind of like with Barker, though, and I love working at Barker this year. That Manny, who runs rugby, there's an absolute legend. You know, I... You could have a resume as long as you fucking like. It could be five meters long, but you could get, you could be hopeless. So until I get there and do some stuff, like you know, they're not going to know because you no, don't have you, them. You can't know. So you know, it's it's semi open ended in that respect. But I'm signed up in theory to do a lot of coaching and 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 play, and I don't know. I'm excited about it. But as fucking pathetic as it may seem, it's nice to fucking be wanted by someone. It really is, and it's and it's it's not. I've I'd almost gone to Hong Kong a few times, and it fell through because of the MLR, it fell through because of other things. Um, so it was always on the agenda, but I don't know. It's just it's just very fucking refreshing at this point. So that excites me as well. And as I said, in turn, what you get from that is fucking loyalty. 
So if I see anyone wearing Kowloon gear around, I'll just jump them immediately, fucking rip it off them. Like, ah, mate, the great thing about Hong Kong, you'll become mates with those guys. Oh, no, it's, very, it's a very tight-knit rugby community, and you'll, you'll have a lot of fun. Actually, lots of good natural beauty in Hong Kong as well. I know you're a big fan of the outdoors and you know hikes and all that kind of shit, and uh, you got to make sure you get into that, not just dumplings and, and tink towels. And... No, nah, well, I'm not, I'm not a massive drinker, so I'm slightly concerned that my fucking drinking legs are not really going to be where they need to be. Look, you, look Hong, you're, you're probably the right type of person to go to Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong, you could lose your mind in very easily. Um, my brother, if anyone's ever followed somebody feed Locke on Instagram, he's literally evidence of someone that spent too much time in Hong Kong. And uh, I think you're probably more well-suited for that because if you enjoy a good time, it is genuinely the city that never sleeps. Uh, there's, there's advents for pleasure seekers everywhere. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you'll have a good time. It's going to be very good for you, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. We'll see what's up. We'll see, basically, man, I'm just going to fucking throw it all into this season and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. I've got no, I got no plans and I'm completely open, open-ended. Being, uh, being appreciated is underappreciated. I can't say, look, I can't say... I was, pre- I think I, I felt deeply appreciated by the players and Ben. And, but well, that's what matters, really. But it, you it do want it from the from the organization. I didn't, and that's no secret. I don't think it's fucking gonna, you know. I don't really, I do care. I do care because it's like I don't want my parents or people copying flack, but that's just the reality. So it is, and I'm sure I'm not alone there. There's many, many, there's probably players, there's probably. No, I felt the same thing as you. This the year. staff, but even yeah. there, who who might be in the same boat, might be in different boats. So that's how I feel. Um, but it's just nice to you know get on the phone to a CEO, general manager, and they're you know excited for this, excited for that. Let's do this, let's do that, and you know for once I won't be fucking absolutely hemorrhaging cash. Like I, I might actually be able to leave. You know where they've got you? They've got you living. Soho. Yeah. Mate. So my boy, my boy Tommy Hill is living um, five minutes, five minute walk. He's on mid levels, and uh, yeah, apparently Soho's a nice spot. Mid levels is cool too. Yeah, so Mate, it's great. You'll have a great time. Look, I, I think I'll be visiting one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I open open for all visitors. Um, interestingly, so anyway, that, that's that's next year, and it's probably something different than what I initially expected. But you got to roll with the punches a little bit. Um, I. There's a couple of things. I'm so I'm actually leaving next Friday um, to go to America. Now I've been saying I'm planning this rugby festival for a while. So the byproduct is I'll be in better shape for that festival. The downside is obviously during the season I didn't give a fuck about anything else. So the season ends on on Sunday, and I asked Ben, Ben, what the fuck comp is this we're playing? Like, what do we got to do? How long are the games? Like, I'm the youngest player in the team. So, surely we're not getting flogged out there. The first day is three 60-minute games. <laughs> what is it, 10s or 15s? It's 15s. So, 63 60-minute games. Three 60-minute games. So, they're 30-minute halves. So, the first day, right? And, and I messaged the Americans and I said, can someone please tell me we have a squad of 50? And they're like, no, nah, man, it's rolling subs. But I think like we've got like 24, 25. And I'm like, well, the third game, we're going to have 11 guys fit. You have like 10 people left. 
And then there's another game the next day. So, like, I think that it's meant to be a massive party, this, that, and the other. Yeah, I'm for gonna sure. Be a, I'm going to be in a cryogenic chamber that night. That's so much footy, particularly for guys. Minute games is and a lot time. of, I mean, Ben's playing. He's been retired for five years. Like, it's, I don't, I got no idea what I'm walking into. People have been reassuring me that it's guys literally in their 40s and 50s, and that makes me feel slightly better. But three 60-minute games, and I know I'm not coming off. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a grind. And then I'm going from Aspen back to LAX and flying straight from LAX to Hong Kong, which is for some reason I like to think I'm smart. My geography is very poor because I thought that can't be a longer flight than fucking Sydney to America. No, that's a long flight. It's 15 hours. Yeah, yeah. So, and then it's still three days quarantine in Hong Kong. Yeah. So it's a it's a real interesting couple of weeks coming up, um, and I'll need to see a psychologist when I arrive. Well, we'll do a couple of podcasts when you're in ISO. Well, that's the other thing. Am I going to be allowed to podcast that close to China? And I don't yeah. mean that in a funny way. No, it's just Zoom. It's just Zoom. You'll if be I fine. Get, if I turn up at the You airport, just can't say anything, honestly. Actually, I should tell you this. My brother, there was, a, uh, there was some riots going on when Locke was living there. And one of his mates is a judo, I think he's a judo instructor, black belt in judo. And he's put on Facebook, any, any Hong Kong natives who want to come and learn judo for free, um, this is where my school is. Apparently, two days later, he completely disappeared. I'm not, I, I, yeah. Well, I don't want to show up at the airport and didn't go straight to a gulag. So I'm, I'm slightly concerned, that, but I have the guy I'm going with. I did speak to him today. I'm like, you need to not say anything stupid in the 10 days between you getting there and me getting there because I, I cannot save you in those days. I'll be in America somewhere. Just drink quietly. Um, so hey, Lock, Lock's been arrested twice. You'll be fine. I've seen some disgraceful things in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, I think I think I'll be all right. I'm not too. I'm not very disgraceful, but um, anyway. So it's going to be fucking action packed couple of weeks. Oh, oh, there's some serious fucking life admin to get through before I'm. This Which is the worst. That's the this worst. Absolutely spectacular. One bedroom apartment is going to have to be emptied, um, or if anyone would like to live in it, Hunters Hill. Where's um? Uh, uh, what's Bruce the Butler going to do? Bruce, you he- set him. If you line him up another job. Bruce, fuck off. Um, yeah, no, nah, he's heading off. If anyone would like $300, 300 bucks a week, kind of still not too bad. Um, hit me up. But otherwise, yeah, just some awful fucking admin. And um, yeah, I don't know who's going to cop the brunt of that. Probably bleed my parents when I drop a fucking lounge in a fridge on their, on their doorstep on the Friday of my flight. Um, but yeah. Hey, that's exciting. I'm very happy for you. Um, Anything else before we finish? I, 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 can you fit an air grievances episode in? Yeah, I, I should be able to. Oh, look, I actually do have some before I finish. I went to um, – so obviously I had Saturday off this week. I went to watch colleagues play at East home ground against Dremoyne. Very interesting, firstly, because it was ladies' day. And that was just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. I could imagine. I was just – painfully underdressed and under attractive to be there and under bank balance too probably oh everything everything was under um like it wasn't a massive crowd it's probably a crowd you have around second grade time or like start kickoff for twos 
but just absolutely pumping. Like the, the 100, 200 people there who were there for ladies' day, were it was heaving. Um, Subby's rugby, very, very different. Very different. And I haven't seen a game in a long time. It, they play a lot more rugby. Um, so it's it's probably better to watch. Like they really throw the ball around. Um, I, I know some guys at colleagues. Dave Bernays, the coach, who's my Sydney 16s coach, funnily enough, he's a great guy. But like they really do the social elements well and the club elements so well. Like my, my friend who's there, Jack, um, like he, just every other day he's going, yeah, we've got this, we've got a raffle, we've got a fucking we're, – we're auctioning off the players tonight, we've got a ladies' day, we've got a presentation crew. Like it's unbelievable. Um, and safe to say I we – I haven't had one of those things this year. So they do a great job of that sort of stuff. Like it was, it was really, really good. But the, the rugby is very, very different. Um, a lot more football played. Um, it's a bit of a throwback. I found it very much like sort of a game from the early 2000s. Like just the rucks were different. People kick at different times. They run at different times. But it was, um, I've never thought about it as like something that I would do, but I can, I can 100% understand why people play it. Because it was a great environment. Is there a single club in the Shoot Shield that gets the balance between professionalism and off-field culture right, do you reckon? I think the closest would be Norse. Yeah, I they can do, see that. They do, um, Matt, the guy who is head of rugby at Barker, he coaches at Norse, and he shows me some of the stuff they do on-field, like, not fucking giving away trade secrets, just like, you know, this is what our training looks like. What does your training look like? You know, it's a very interesting talk about stuff like that. But, you know, they, they seem very well put together in their front house and they've got a, you know, they do good events and like they have ladies days at pump and they do presentation nights and all sorts of shit like that. Um, so I think they do a good job. I'm sure Sydney Uni do a good job. Yeah. Um, for more reports and what it appears, I mean, they have like, season launches and things like that and whilst those things may slip into the abyss in terms of priority i think they're fucking really important um because otherwise you're just staring down the barrel of training i i i had this i had a long chat with someone the other day and they're like culture is what attracts people to the club culture 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 and and i i think that used to be the case but what i think is happening now is the rugby program attracts them to the club the culture is what keeps them at the club I agree. I think, people- and I think you have to have both if things are going to work. Can't have one without the other. Um, but I don't think someone's going to go to a club in the shoot shield anymore just because it has a good culture. No, I think those days are gone. I do think that used to move the needle in the early two thousand tens, even mid two thousand tens. You get guys going from a successful club to a different club. Um, I do know guys who've left some clubs because. Maybe it was run too much by the senior players, not enough by the coach. Like you do hear about things like that, but realistically, you need to go. Well, most guys want to go where the, where success is. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if anyone gets a balance right. But shout out to uh, Nick Clancy playing thirteen for colleagues. He l- listens to the pod every week, and he was fucking very good on the weekend. Good fella. Um, he could be playing ten. He could be. He moved to ten. There were some injuries, um, and he was very good at ten as well. So the colleagues, Hooker, 7, 13, Nick, I thought were very, very good. Um, young Lou said was good as well. My, my, my main man who I was there to watch, Jack, he, um, 
in the final play of the game on the on the beautiful East Astro, sort of swung the wrong way out like a light. Twenty, bro, he was asleep for twenty seconds. Right, you're going you're to have to get used to Astro because that's all there is in Hong Kong. Yeah, I know, but that's kind of good because it means my I'll be a little bit faster. But he got KO'd, right, and he's asleep. Like I'm with his family, and like obviously no one wants to see their son asleep, asleep. And he's he's out for like a good 15, 20 seconds, which is a long knockout. Fucking nice. And anyway, he he comes to and he like it was fucking dusty. Like he was fucking dusty. It was the last play of the game. So I just walked on the field. I'm like, bro, what's going on? And he's like, man, fuck. Like he was he really bounced back well. And he's like, fuck my shoulder, man. My shoulder's sore. Like what the fuck's going on? His AC joints just hanging up. Out of his out of its socket, so he's done like a sort of grade two AC as well, and it's ladies' day, bro. So he's been looking forward to it for <laughs> twenty rounds, and unfortunately, he had to go home and watch the All Blacks and be on concussion patrol with me. So um, he was heartbroken, and I can understand after seeing that ladies' day, I can understand why he's so heartbroken. So Jack, I hope you're recovering well. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, mate. You don't want to be not, you don't want to be getting knocked out. This was a fun episode. Yeah, it was really good. Some I, serious stuff. You did. Hold on, I will say. Stuff. I will say. I will say. I will say. It's been very Jed centric. You did say there was some potentially some things you wanted to discuss. I I, I got most of them in. You I wanted them to, in. I wanted to, to discuss the the box kicking. That was a big thing for me. Um, some of the yeah, I'm pretty sure I got everything in. Yep, I'm happy. Uh, I I would like you to call me for any grievances next episode i had to wait around for four hours on friday for a random inspection and then, oh, really? I, got, and then I got a text maybe 20 minutes before the end of the time oh sorry duncan the uh person is sick today and then yeah, how, how good's like that or like a telstra installation in there like yeah we'll be there between eight and seven and you're like that's not a fucking time period that's just it's a like a day. five hours. Get That's fucked. a whole day. What, Get fucked. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? Actually, oh, I do have one thing that's completely non-related to rugby that just sent me into an absolute fucking tailspin last week. Um, did you? We, did we speak about how Canberra are banning electric cars? I mean, the sale of petrol cars. Uh, we have talked about it, but not on the podcast. Twenty twenty-five. They're banned. They all petrol cars will be illegal for sale in Canberra. Is this David Pocock? Yes. Currently, 1% of Australian car users use an electric car. 1%. I'm not buying another car. I'm not buying an electric car because they're far too fucking expensive. So now everyone in Canberra is going to have to drive over the border, buy a car, and then drive back into Canberra. Canberra, you are fucking idiots. Idiots. Should be on court grievances, but I have That's, to get it out there. That is fucked. Because... Some some countries are like like even California, who are full of fucking psychos. They're like 2040, 2050. Canberra. No, we'll ban it in two years. It'll be fine. It's just virtue signal signaling. Oh, just people chaining. Have a look at how good I am. I was gonna ask you about Andrew Tate getting cancelled. And just not necessarily him getting cancelled, but oh, just I think it's ridiculous. But just the whole thing about cancelling anyway. Well, here's the thing, right? There's people on social media. So he's he's obviously you you put him on the conservative side of the spectrum, probably far too conservative, but then he has some bizarre things that would take him away from a traditional conservative, which is you know he's not into you know religion or things like that. 
No, he's, he's, I've listened to a lot of his stuff. Oh, he's, he religious. he's, he's oh. a Muslim. He's Muslim. Oh, he's a Muslim. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's still a diff. It's a, yeah. Okay. He's a conservative guy. You've got some, some stuff coming on from people with purple hair, fucking abusing people, fucking putting their kids in dresses at fucking eight months old and like doing some just heinous shit. Like, you know, all the vegan people, you know, throwing shit at cars and, um, you know, pouring, pouring milk out in some guy's brand new shop. Bro, like his life savings. Literally on. breaking into people's stuff, their farms, like any of the extremist stuff. It's all absolutely sweet. This dude talks talks some shit, and he he gets can. It's just where's the equality in that? If you want to cancel, if you want to cancel, like what you perceive as, see, I don't think that's extreme. Like calling people to arms, I think would probably be negative, or like threatening lives. But like just because someone's a bit quirky, like if we're going to do that on that side, then I don't want to see anyone with pink hair and a buzz cut anymore. But yeah, because- but who who has the right to decide that we shouldn't listen to this person? Isn't that an individual decision? Well, private organisations do, but they Not shouldn't. Private- ha- I. Th- I- it's a very strange time. I don't think they should have the ability to do that. Well, I was listening to Zuckerberg on Rogan actually, and it was it was quite interesting because they he was asking that effectively, and he didn't have a great answer for it because I agree. I, mean, I thought he was dancing around it. They do that all the time. He was just saying like, why why do you censor some things and other things you let fly? And the end of the day is, it, we just everyone wants to make what they think the vast majority of people are happy. That's it. So they they take out what fucking five, 10 years ago would have been a very normal thought and they turn it into madness. I think Andrew Tate now being out of social media is probably, um, you know, there's an opening there for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> there's I an opportunity. I, I don't know if I can do it from Soho, Hong Kong, but I'll try my best. Now, I've started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu again and I'm fucked out of my mind. There is nothing quite as therapeutic as a 65-kilo, I think he's Japanese, Gentlemen, suffocating you with your own pajamas at six thirty in the morning. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't be into gay. I can't. I, I, I know you meant to start in gay, but I just want to do no gay. I don't. I'm not. I'm not into the gays, bro. I think it's just fun. It's. I really know. Nice. I, I don't doubt it. I'm very much going to find my local boxing gym slash uh, lock, something over there. Talk to Lock. Lock. Lock was all in on the scene over there. There's some good martial arts over there. Yeah. Um, it's it's just good therapy. Honestly, I don't even care if I don't get a belt or anything, but I just like doing it. Well, they've got to give you a belt. Well, yeah, a white belt. I've been going for I've been going for eight years. I'm still a white belt. Um, but I'm you know, so- there's there's nothing that makes you realize what a piece of shit you are more than having a fucking sixty kilo guy who's half your size, half your strength, absolutely murder you. And I would never ever get in a fight with anyone ever. Oh, I yeah, I feel the same about boxing. I I got away. I knew how to box. I got away literally like three sparring classes in a row without getting hit properly because I got really long arms. So I just jab, move away, jab, move away, jab, move away. Finally, this dude, he's a great bloke, jacked out of his mind, like 95 kilo Chucky or something, just fucking hooked me. And I finally went, oh, this is why it fucking hurts a bit. Like I finally got smelted and I was like, this sucks. This is fucking tough. It's very humbling. It's humbling, but it's like um, I don't think I'm fully there yet with like being able to be properly humbled. 
I need to work on that. In terms of someone just dropping you. Oh, fuck. No, fuck that. Mate, I'll never get in a fight. Mate, I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this whole year. Thank you for being you. I really appreciate everything. Um, yeah. Thank I appreciate you. it, bro. It's been uh, um, a lot of fun. Um, this is probably not as outrageous as some of our episodes, but at the end of the day, we do this for us. Um, any final messages for the audience before you fuck off to Aspen and then Hong Kong and you know take uh, over take over Asia as well? Not really. I just appreciate people who are, I don't know, who are just fucking normal, nice people. And I've met a lot of people who listen to a small podcast, um, which I think is fucking awesome. And every time I do, it just makes me feel good. And I'm glad that it may be like me going ballistic or maybe sometimes you not going ballistic or you going ballistic or whatever combination we come up with um, squeezes an hour out of there that week that they don't mind either. So I think that's been awesome. And we'll obviously keep doing them well into... Now, now we can say whatever we like. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is an interesting one. Um I, feel I, don't, like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I reckon some people would be like, you've said way too much. And some people would be like, you probably could have said more. So I reckon. I, maybe- I've wanted to unload for a long time and I, I keep stopping myself. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll get to that eventually, but. Yeah. And no, I'll just make this just a, it's just a thank you really. And it's more that, that we'll keep, keep doing it into the off season. We'll do fucking, we'll do them whenever we want and we're doing whenever we can. Yep. Um, and the time difference isn't very big with Hong Kong. So I'm going to have a fair bit of spare time, particularly at the start. So as long as the Chinese government doesn't fucking put me in a gulag, then I'll be on the airways. Mate, awesome. If anyone needs a highlight reel, reach out. Um, all these little fucking kids messaging people about highlight reels. I will not direct message you on Instagram. I do all the work myself. You do not need to do anything. Well, they want, like if they do something, they want a discount or what is it? No, these there's all these kids that reach out to people, and I will give you a three minute highlight reel for blah blah, and then that you have to give them the clips. And I'm like, if that if that was a real highlight reel person, they would know the three minute highlight reel is going to do fuck all for your career. Also, you can like I'm pretty not great with tech. I've got slightly better, but I could do it if I already had the clips. You just you go on, you go on Don't tell people that, Jed. No, but like if we're, <laughs> if we're talking like you've got five clips on your phone, you want to jam them together, you can do it on your fucking phone. Do it on Instagram. But yeah, you can do it on anything. Anyway, fuck you, people. Yeah, um, and please buy caffeine gum if you want to feel good all the time. Yeah, the boys are withdrawing from it now, having had it every day. So let's go. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.